Bookland Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Hello, listener, and welcome to City Update. One of our Brooklyn's radio listeners just sent me a text reminding me that this weekend, with its longest day of the year, is the beginning of summer. Looking out the window, it's difficult to tell. Anyway, your stock market expert, Lee Humphreys, is waiting on the line now. Lee, what have you got for us today? Um, well, good, uh, happy Friday, Ian. I thought we'd start by um, uh, pretty much where we lo- left off last week, actually, and uh, look first at the UK unemployment report that came out on Tuesday. Um, the release showed that unemployment increased by over 1.5 million people in April and May to stand around the 2.8 million mark. To this already enormous figure, we can add something called the underemployment rate, that is people who have effectively removed themselves from the statistics, often because they sense the likelihood of getting another job during the lockdown is at best unlikely. Um, Once these people start to feel that conditions are improving, of course, sufficiently to actively try and get another job again, this too will push up the numbers. Yeah, and we've still got huge numbers of people on furlough, and that doesn't appear in these figures, does it? Uh, You're right, Ian. Uh, Workers uh, that are currently furloughed uh, on the government's job retention scheme still count, rightly so, as employed. And the numbers are now colossal. HMRC told us on Tuesday that 9.1 million workers, that's a quarter of the workforce in the UK, are having their wages paid through the scheme. The government uh, have uh, said that this uh, support will last until the end of October uh, are now playing a game of, if you like, sort of economic Jenga, whereby they're attempting to remove as many of the blocks that they've um, put in place to support workers and the economy through the lockdown without collapsing the structure. Yeah, remind us of some of these blocks you're talking about, some of the measures they've put, put in place, Lee. Well, um, the measures range from payment holidays, of course, and mortgages, um, the distribution of loans to firms such as the uh, bounce-back loans, which we've already discussed uh, before, Ian, uh, VAT deferrals and grants to pay businesses, business rates. But probably the most important of these has been the furlough scheme set up by the Chancellor Rishi Sunak. So the furlough scheme was central to this. Why is it deemed to be so vital? Well, um, For now, at least, it's preventing a big part of that 9.1 million people uh, HMRC talked about from being added to the overall economic uh, unemployment pile. But uh, by the end of May, um, the unemployment rate in the UK still only stood at 3.9%. And and compare that with the current unemployment rate of 13% in the United States, um, whose own scheme is nowhere near as comprehensive as our own. And uh, you can see clearly the success is achieved. And this achieved uh, success has been uh, at a, quite a cost to us. I mean, it's our money and a quite a cost to the Treasury. Yeah, right again, Ian. Um, before the pandemic, government had been forecast to borrow something in the region of £55 billion for the whole year, 2020. Post the pandemic, we've discovered just this morning that government borrowing for May alone was greater than that, £55.2 billion. And according to the OBR, the furlough scheme accounts in the region of £14 billion of that monthly total. So it's no surprise then they want to get businesses to start paying for this rather than us. Well, I mean, if if the scheme continues at uh, at the same rate, by the time it finishes in October, it will have cost around 
69 billion pounds. As such, the Treasury has announced uh, that from, all, uh, from August, companies uh, participating will need to be quickly weaned off the uh, state's largesse. And although they're weaned off, there are probably going to be more redundancies and therefore the unemployment number gets even higher. Yes, uh, I'm assuming uh, from that point we'll see another wave of job losses, unfortunately. Um, employees are going to start to be asked uh, from, uh, from August uh, to pay the national insurance and pension contributions of their furloughed workers. These two overheads on average represent just 5% of total employee costs, manageable for most employers, you'd imagine. Uh, but the month after that, uh, their contribution will rise from 5 to 14% as employers are also asked to contribute to that furloughed wage itself. And finally, in October, that furloughed wage contribution will increase again and on average will represent 23% of each furloughed employee's costs to the employer. In summary, therefore, the tapering of the scheme from August is going to leave employers, 81% of which have used the furlough, with some very tough choices to make. Yeah, I was looking at um, a YouGov poll in the papers this week, and they'd been speaking to companies. Do you have any details about what the companies were saying? Yeah, actually, funnily enough, I was just thinking uh, about that a moment ago. I've actually, as you say, I've got the, um, some of the uh, details with me here, and they really do help illustrate the scale of the issue in front of us. Um, YouGov surveyed 500 UK businesses and found that just over half, 51% to be exact, are intending uh, to make redundancies within three months of the scheme's October expiry. Only 34% said they wouldn't get rid of anyone, while one in 10 businesses said they could not operate at all if their employees had to remain two metres apart when they return. So, Lee, um, get your crystal ball polished up. Um what do you reckon employment, unemployment rather, is going up to? Well, uh, personally, by October, I see the uh, overall number uh, of unemployed easily close to 4 million people. Um, thereafter, it's anyone's guess. If the schools aren't back by September, it's only going higher. Um, you know, maybe for the sake of comparison, if we look at uh, the 1930s, unemployment reached a peak of 2.5 million people, albeit that the UK population was 60% of the size it is today. However, in, uh, in 1931, UK GDP only fell by 5%, the worst fall for the country in the period of the Great Depression. If we're able to get away with that kind of figure by the end of this year, after, as I said last week, the self-induced economic coma the government has pla uh, placed us in, it would be a miracle. So, what else can the government do? Um, you can't keep throwing money at it, I suppose. What else does the government do to uh, mitigate this unemployment pain? Yeah, I mean, what can the government do? Um, my suspicion is that pretty much the only thing that uh, the government can do, at least initially, will be to focus uh, more on what are termed supply-side reforms to boost the job market. What do you mean by supply-side reforms, Lee? Um, yes, I mean, it's sort of supply-side reforms. Uh, by and large, these are sort of measures that will uh, loosen the burden on employers to do stuff such as uh, liberalising 
planning laws, uh, decreasing the cost of uh, employing people, perhaps by I don't know, scrapping the apprenticeship levy, for instance, or cutting employer national insurance contributions. These would be sort of relatively sort of non-controversial measures to boost employment and fairly simple for a government with a majority of 80 to get through Parliament. And um, what makes you think this is going to happen? Well, firstly, and, and most significantly, and, uh, given the record piles of debt that we're sitting on as a country and the reduced means to pay it back, uh, the government's options are really greatly reduced. Secondly, and I think uh, the EU, with whom, uh, let's not forget, we're discussing a, a trade deal with right now and which needs to be agreed by December, have given us a steer through the media that these supply-side measures are being prepared for right now. You may uh, recall, Ian, actually, uh, last year that Michael Barnier, he's the EU's chief negotiator, uh, offered the May government back then a Canada-style trade agreement. Well, in February, faced by a Johnson government uh, with his majority, um, Barnier had to take his original offer to Theresa May off the table, fearful that, uh, he was, uh, that this deal would now easily pass through Parliament and concerned the EU would actually be aiding the creation on their doorstep of a Britain that would be able to undercut, in terms of regulation and pricing, most of the stuff that the EU already makes and sells. Well, that's, uh, that's one interpretation. It's a so-called level playing field. That's right. Uh, and uh, if it does happen... Some will see this as a whittling away of labour and environmental standards at the expense of growth. It's really that binary, in, but it's also interesting to note that France, with far stronger labour laws than the UK, went into the COVID crisis with unemployment levels of around 8%, as opposed to the UK's 3.5%. Um, with British unemployment likely to move towards, I don't know, 10% in the, in the months ahead, the thought that the government can do much else other than impose supply-side reforms of this nature appear very unlikely. Uh, very interestingly, thank you very much. However, in the time left, perhaps you can give us a brief rundown on what's been happening in the markets this week, Lee. Well, um, we saw yesterday the Bank of England, uh, really re reference to what uh, we've just uh, talked about in, announcing the addition of £100 billion to their bond buying or QE program. Uh, modesty should prevent us, Ian, from saying we actually predicted this three weeks ago on the same airwaves, so we'll let it go for now. Uh, but this move takes the total QE program to £745 billion, but the bank did resist the temptation to move to a policy of negative interest rates, which, you know, ever since I found out uh, didn't mean that I was going to get paid to take out a loan, I've become a lot less interested in anyway. Uh, markets, what's been going on there? Well, um, certainly the FTSE 100 has put in another good week, up around, I don't know, 3% or so since uh, the last time we spoke in. Uh, the driver here seems to be the belief that the impasse between the EU and the UK in the free trade uh, agreement discussion is starting to improve, with Johnson saying that he sees no reason why there shouldn't be an initial agreement, at least, by next month. Uh, the move uh, higher was, uh, was also helped by stocks like the online fashion retailer Boohoo, who reported on Tuesday that sales surged over the lockdown uh, period by 45%.
there are a few ifs and buts in that. It, there may be an initial agreement, there may not be. But they're not the only firm in the FTSE to have benefited, are they? Not by a long shot, Ian. Kingfisher, who are the owners of uh, B&Q and Screwfix, saw their sales rise by nearly 22% in the last three months. And that's despite stores being partially shut over this period. Likewise, Serco, a provider of public services and actually who ran the first UK drive-through COVID testing centres, uh, saw their shares rise 18% on Wednesday alone after reinstating their full year forecast. So, not all doom and gloom? No, not doom and gloom at all. In, uh, in fact, the chief economist of the Bank of England, Andy Haldane, we've actually mentioned him uh, before a few weeks ago, was uh, a lone voice yesterday in voting against the additional £100 billion of quantitative easing, as he thinks the economy is picking up at a faster rate than previously forecast. And to back that up, retail sales figures uh, for the month of May came out this morning showing a 12% rise on the previous month. But, you know, let me also say it's still prudent to maintain a sense of caution economically when just in the week since we last spoke in, the North Koreans have blown up a joint liaison office with the South in the demilitarized zone. Uh, there's been fatalities in uh, Himalayan border clashes between the Indians and the Chinese, and schools were yet again being closed in Beijing on Tuesday due to a second wave of the virus occurring. So, Perhaps a little too early to be hanging out the bunting just yet. Thank you, Lee. Let's see where the week takes us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphries brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio.